What's up, people? Another episode of Just for Sports. I'm OK Davis here with you. I hope you are doing well as we get set for the divisional matchups in the National Football League. I'm excited. I am excited. I think we, and I hope, obviously, I hope we are going to have some excellent games this weekend. Of course, I'll go for my gut check picks. We'll talk about that. In the NBA, I'm siding with Kyrie Irving on something. Partially. We'll talk about the Bulls season. Uh, Their run, the running of the Bulls may be ending somewhat. They may stumble into the playoffs instead of running away with the number one seed. I'll talk about that. And why we're seeing, in some ways, Joanna Man in a very real way playing a role in college sports. Do you remember that movie? There have been so many kind of movies where, like, you know, people switch places. Kid and an adult. Big is one of my favorite movies. You know, who comes up with these, you know, concepts for movies like uh, Joanna Man, Twins. Man, I'm going way back. I just happened to see it on TV the other day. Arnold Schwarzenegger and Danny DeVito as brothers. But this is real life. And we always say, you know, maybe I think about art imitates life. Well, things are coming to life in sports that may change a lot of the way we view sports and someone is going to be taking advantage of it someone will be taking advantage of it but first I'm going to start in the NBA and this crazy crazy play uh, my Washington Wizards they lost to the Nets, and it was sad, Uh, 119 to 118, and even though it was earlier in the fourth quarter, it's not like what we're talking about is something that happened at a very crucial point in the game necessarily, or I mean in the last two minutes, but to think that a, a Nets assistant coach actually touched a live basketball and it was missed. David Vanterpool. David Vanterpool, who actually is from the D.C. area, he went to Montgomery Blair. He played, had a cup of coffee with the Washington Wizards and for the longest time has been a part of the Alumni Association. He was a coach. And that's the part that I thought was quite interesting. It was David Vanterpool. He was pointing his hand out and accidentally deflected a pass in the fourth quarter that was going to Kyle Kuzma. Okay, it did play a role in the game. There's no doubt about that. Um, And the interim coach, Joseph Blair, for the Wizards, said he it was utter disbelief. I mean, it seemed to be a accident to me but it's sad to think that referees missed it 
They simply missed it. But, you know, it's... I, I think it's one of those things where, like, yeah, it's another thing that we can get on refs about again. Just one more thing that, that they are not perfect. But I think I am even trying to come to grips with just accepting whenever I see something like this, hey, they're not perfect. Neither are players. Players make mistakes too. Referees make mistakes. So it goes. So it goes. Now, another thing that I thought in the NBA is really making it kind of spicy off the court, but obviously in many ways this involves something that happened on the court. And okay, Kevin Durant played a big role and and in many ways he and Kyrie Irving are on the same team right now, but Kevin Durant played for Golden State. LeBron James played for Cleveland with Kyrie Irving. So there's a lot of like connections here. But Brooklyn Nets guard Kyrie Irving was fined $25,000 for directing obscene language toward a fan during his team's loss to the Cavs in Cleveland. And this is one of those times where I'm like, you know what? I agree with Kyrie. I got to agree with him. Just like as fans, we can rip referees. And I still say, you know, it's not like anybody comes to our job. Could you imagine if you were at your job and somebody's just standing over you, heckling you? Yo, Jamoke, you messed up on that pod. You didn't say a player's name right. Or up your daily picks. They stink. You're under 500. Could you imagine that? I'd be like, you'd be kind of salty too. But there were some fans heckling Irving asking if he needed LeBron. One fan asked, where's Kevin Durant? And so I think, you know, Kyrie Irving got a little fed up and said, I got you all a championship. And bleep, bleep, still ungrateful. I had no problem with it. Okay, he probably shouldn't have used that language. And then a bunch of fans around him said, well, you just got us one. And how ungrateful are you, Cleveland? We all remember how excited you were. And actually, let's go back. Pause, pause, pause. Let's go back and remember how you burned LeBron James jerseys. And then when he comes back, you're like, oh, everything's okay. You win the championship. And you know what? It's okay. Maybe you were joking with Kyrie. I'll give you that. But when he reminded you of the one championship that I will say to this day, yeah, LeBron James played a big role in it. But Kyrie Irving, and let's go one more. LeBron James made the biggest block in that series. But Kyrie Irving made the shot that won it. And in many ways, fans, we are ungrateful. We can forget the joy and the euphoria and the excitement of winning a championship that forever. You ever hear people say, oh, you know, uh, a player can can eat in his own town forever after winning him a championship. LeBron James can go anywhere in Cleveland. He gets a free meal, a free beer, whatever the case may be. Well, Kyrie should fall in that category. And that fan should have been like, 
You know what? You got me. True. That's what you say. True that. True that. Let me give you your flowers. That was it. And then maybe it would have been, you know, a funny moment. Instead, it turned nasty. And I don't like that. And I blame the fan for that. I blame the fans for, and I'm a fan too, so don't get me wrong. I am in no way not recognizing that I am not perfect either. And as a Washington football team fan, I remember those Super Bowls. I may have been really young, but if anybody asked me about, you know, this team, okay, they're not good right now, but I remember the good times. I remember the good times. Even if I wasn't there, things that have been accomplished before us, like even when people bring up Penn State football is better than Pitt football. Well, Pitt football's won nine college football championships. May not have been all BCS, but doesn't matter. Penn State's won two. That is in the record books. So let's not, if we want to get into semantics of what program is better, what school, team, whatever. What do we all go back to? The championships, the record books, the stats, the all-stars that were on our teams. Yeah, I'm bummed out that the Nationals basically sold off the entire franchise. And the owner is one of the richest owners in sports, period. He didn't need to sell off the team the way he did, but he did, unfortunately. But I'm not. it's not like it's going to take away from a championship and me not feeling a level of excitement when I look back on what a beautiful moment that was to sit on top of that parking deck because... The, the Washington Nationals didn't win it at home. But being able to be there with the fans cheering, I still got my newspaper downstairs from it that I actually need to get framed. Right? Remember the good times. Remember the good times. So I got to hand it to Kyrie. We may not agree on something else. There may be one, two, or three shots that I want him to take today or technically over the course of one today, one in six weeks, and another one a few months afterwards. But that one shot he took for the Cleveland Cavaliers, don't forget it, because it won you a championship. It won you a championship. And speaking of championships, the Bulls have won not one, not two, not three. Well, they did win three in a row, and then another three in a row in six. And I thought maybe this was going to be the year. Maybe this was going to be it. Where the Chicago Bulls were going to claim the throne. Now, realistically, it's it's an uphill battle. There's no doubt about that. But they are still at the top of the Eastern Conference, 28 and 15. But that may be coming to an end. At least the chances of them finishing in the top of the Eastern Conference. I mean, they've got the Miami Heat right there behind them. Brooklyn Nets are a half a game. Two and a half games separate the Chicago Bulls from the Cleveland Cavaliers in sixth place, along with the 76ers. 
But the news that Lonzo Ball will now have to undergo left knee surgery. Six to eight weeks he's going to be out. And really, when you think about him having to get back into basketball shape, I mean, realistically, six to eight weeks, two months from now, we're probably talking about right around the start of the playoffs before maybe he's back. 100%, you know? Not necessarily, yeah, he can come back in six weeks, but to feel like he's got his legs under him, he's confident, playing basketball again. It may take some time. It may take some time. And I feel for him, especially because, you know, just before that, unfortunately, Zach Levine went out too. And I mean, it's just kind of sad when, you know, a team is doing well. And then, you know, a player goes down. And another player goes down. And then your whole season goes down the drain. I hope that Zach Levine will be coming back and be at 100% full strength, but you never know. And mentally, I think that's one of the aspects of the game that when we talk about, oh, players got to get back into basketball shape, you know, when we talk about, like, you know, uh, Clay Thompson and Golden State, Golden State's kind of struggling a little bit, trying to find their way to uh, work in Clay Thompson, if you will. And you can see it in the way that they've played of late. But the mental aspect of it, too, is something that you probably don't hear them talk about. Golden State's 500 over their last 10. The Chicago Bulls are 500 over their last 10. There are ebbs and flows in the game, you know, on ESPN, whichever uh, sportscaster said it, like it's the NBA, everybody makes a run. Well, that's not just within the game, but I feel like within the season, everybody kind of makes a run too. And the running of the Bulls may be coming to a stop. What's just getting started as I switch topics here is something that, you know, we're all going to have to learn more about and understand the rules. But the headline, the NCAA's new transgender athlete rules defer to national and international governing bodies. Because I think we are heading into uncharted waters. NCAA doesn't know what to do with transgender athletes. And I actually question if the schools will be better at it. I don't know. This is a release, the statement from the NCAA 
Quote, like the Olympics, the updated NCAA policy calls for transgender participation for each sport to be determined by the policy for the national governing body of that sport. Subject to ongoing review and recommendation by the NCAA Committee on Competitive Safeguards and Medical Aspects of Sports to the Board of Governors, if there to the Board of Governors, period. If there is no NGB policy for a sport, that sports international federation policy would be followed. If there's no international federation policy, previously established IOC policy criteria would be followed. Period. The, governing, the Board of Governors urged the divisions to provide flexibility to allow for additional eligibility if a transgender student-athlete loses eligibility based on the policy change provided they meet the newly adopted standards. So that's for one, the NCAA punting. They're like, we want no parts of this. We're just going to go with somebody else's policy. And if anybody has any questions, go to them because we don't know what to do with it. We, 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 we're putting our hands up. I understand that this statement uh, is, you know, they're saying that because uh, an article talked about over 80% of United States Olympians were either current or former college athletes. Uh, that still doesn't make much sense. What you are talking about governing is not the Olympics. You need to come up with a policy for the NCAA. It's ridiculous to just think, oh yeah, we're just going to go by what the Olympics, first of all, the Olympics, I don't think they know what they're doing. But this also comes on the heels of a swimmer for Penn, UPenn, Leah Thomas, who's been breaking records in women's swimming after switching from the men's team where she swam for the past three seasons. Previous NCAA rules said a transgender woman needed at least a year of testosterone suppression treatment to compete. Criteria that, of course, Thomas met before switching teams, and she's still dominating. What are we going to do? Of course, the College of Swimming and Diving Coaches Association, yeah, of course they're disappointed in the announcement. Who wouldn't be? But I feel in the NCAA's decision, they need to just say, we don't know what to do. Because I wouldn't know what to do. But I wish they would at least come out and say that, not just try to say, oh, we're just going to look at whatever they're doing. Because in my mind, I don't think the Olympics did right by transgender Olympians. Realistically, this is something that we are going to have to figure out. And it's not going to be easy. There are going to be a lot more transgender athletes. And for me, for me, yeah, I do go back to the movie Juana Man. And it's not, you know, obviously I'm not trying to make light of the issues. 
surrounding trans athletes. I am, I am simply coming at it from, I remember watching that movie and being like, whoa. And I just thought, what if? What if? If you go back to the South African runner, Castor Semenya, and she wasn't allowed to participate in the Olympics because they said, well, no, you, uh, we can't tell if you're a woman or not. She was raised as a female, is legally a female. But she has faced an uphill battle, although she has won two Olympic gold medals and three world championships. But there were some rules that did not allow her to compete. In the Tokyo Olympics, the past Olympics. Because she didn't feel like she needed to lower her, what she said, naturally high testosterone levels. This is only the beginning. And no, this isn't for the the guy out there who's like, oh, uh, I can't compete on the boys basketball team in middle school or junior high or high school. So I'm going to go put on a wig and, and join the women's team. No. And I understand it's exactly what happened in Juana, man. This is legitimately something that I think we are going to have to think about. And it also can work reverse. A female that wants to be on the boys or the men's team. Because they are transgender. I am very interested to see how this, the rules, um, the athletes, how it's going to change sports. Bruce Jenner's now Caitlyn Jenner. What would it have been back then when he was a Olympian and said, well, actually, I'm going to compete on the women's side. Maybe it wouldn't have made a difference. Maybe it would have. But there is no black and white here. And I think this is going to come up more often And I wonder if more often as the majority of the stories that I have been reading are female swimmers that were transgender and switched from being a male to a female and then dominating in that sport. And then a governing body saying, whoa, 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 whoa. What's going on here? So it's going to be interesting to observe how all leagues deal with this moving forward.
And I don't know if anybody has the right answers. I don't. But maybe in some ways, we're going to have to listen to the athletes that are being affected by this before a true and proper rule is put in place. Definitely what might have to happen. So, um, as we move on, and I wish them all the best as well, you know, any athlete competing on any level, you know, you want everybody to succeed, but everybody can't win. Everybody can't win. Although this isn't just about wins and losses. Now, as I do switch to wins and losses, we got the gut check picks for the divisional round of the NFL playoffs. And I think that there are some really, really good games. And that was before I even saw the spreads, which I talked about on the last episode. But now looking at the four games, they're all within six points. Home teams, all the favorites. Would you really pick all home teams? When I look at these matchups, it's tough not to. So here I go with my gut check picks. First game, 4.30 on Saturday. We got the Cincinnati Bengals at the Tennessee Titans. Now the first thing that comes to mind for me is, will Derrick Henry play? And what kind of Derrick Henry are we going to see? I don't know. I think that's a tough one. I think Ryan Tannehill is underrated as a quarterback. I think the Tennessee Titans are underrated as a team. But to say that the if if he's back, if Derrick Henry's back, boy, It's going to be tough, I think, for the Bengals to get a win. But I do like their team with Jamar Chase and Joe Mixon and Joe Burrow, the three J's. Joe Joe and Jamar show. That's what it is. The Cincinnati Bengals won their last meeting in October of 2020 by 11 points, but this is the playoffs. This is a little bit different. And in this game, I'm going to go with the Tennessee Titans at minus three and a half. I think that they are the Better team, and if they have Derrick Henry, they're definitely the better team. Playing at home, I think the Bengals, who they? They good enough to win a first round of the playoff game. But not necessarily to get to the AFC Championship. The 49ers are at the Green Bay Packers. The Green Bay Packers are favored at minus five and a half. I think that in the frozen tundra of Lambeau Field, 
I do think that the Packers will win that game. It's Saturday night at 8.15. But I think that with the weather and how good the 49ers are playing, I can see the 49ers winning this game. Debo Samuel is going to have to be amazing. He's going to have to do it all for the San Francisco 49ers. 49ers somehow maybe have kind of had the Green Bay Packers number in the playoffs. But I think with the weather, let's see what happens with the weather, possibly. I'm taking the 49ers at plus five and a half. I just think the game will be closer. I feel like the Packers will still win, but I think the game will be a little bit closer. So I'm taking the 49ers at plus five and a half. I could see them winning too. I could. The LA Rams at the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. The Buccaneers are favored at minus three. Now what concerns me is that you have the greatest quarterback of all time on one side of the field. But Aaron Donald, boy, when his career is over, you may say he was, he could be the greatest of all time. I think, you know, realistically, let's remember, I think the Rams, we kind of get a little too hype when we think of the Rams defense. I mean, they're only ranked 17th. It's not like they are the number one, number two defense in the league. So they're not great. Offenses are pretty even. Defenses are pretty even, as I talked about on Tuesday's show. And I think in this case, I think the Buccaneers still get it done. And I'm going to take the Buccaneers at minus three because I think there's a good chance they'll win by three points, maybe four. It'll be close, but I, I, I'm I'm going with the three points. Buccaneers minus three. Last game, 6.30. I want to see a good game. That's the main thing for me is I want to see a really good game. Not like last year where the, Bill, where the Chiefs were like, hey, Bills, uh, go sit down. You're not there yet. I think the Bills got up just a little bit more for the Patriots. And that game was in Buffalo. This game is in Kansas City. The Chiefs are favored at minus two. Similar to Cincinnati, I just feel like, you know what, Buffalo? You gotta slow your roll. You had a good run. You look good. I feel like this is the kind of thing where like Josh Allen is a really, really good quarterback but he may be playing in the wrong era that maybe he could be dominant. Like Jim Kelly led the Buffalo Bills to four straight Super Bowls, four straight losses, one of them to the Washington football team. They would call the other name back then. But I'm taking the Kansas City Chiefs at minus two. I think this game will be closer. But I see them winning by three or four as well. And I consider that to be a close game. To me, in my mind, I'm like, okay, that that was a good game. Both teams can hold their heads up high. So my picks are the Chiefs at minus two, the Buccaneers at minus three, 
The 49ers on the road at plus five and a half, and the Tennessee Titans at minus three and a half. And those are my gut check picks. Enjoy your weekend of sports. Enjoy football. Enjoy basketball. Anything else this weekend I want to see? I'll be watching the Australian Open. Seeing if my uh, futures picks, just to remind you, I picked Rafa Nadal and Ashley Barty to win it. Let's see what happens. To the window! Ciao for now. Are you looking for a better way to play player props or daily fantasy sports? Well, look no further than Prize Picks. Prize Picks is the leading over-under daily fantasy game. Why? Because it's so easy to use and win. You can make your picks in under 30 seconds and win up to 10 times your money in one day. Right now, we have a special offer for our viewers and listeners of the Just for Sport podcast. All you have to do is sign up now and use the promo code J for Sport, and Prize Picks will match your first deposit up to $100. Yep, that's right. They'll match your first deposit up to $100. So join the over 150,000 others who found a better way to play and download the Prize Picks app today.